to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bignall. Robert Zirk is away this week. On today's show, we're continuing to highlight the categories from Winnipeg's Vital Signs, and today's episode is geared all towards families. Up first, one of the best family-oriented activities in the winter, uh, in my opinion at least, is skating down on the Red River Trail at the Forks. We're going to be joined by Guy Madden, famed filmmaker who was recently invited to design one of the warming huts on the trail. Mr. Madden will talk about his inspiration as well as the challenges of designing one of the world-famous warming huts. Then, if skating isn't your thing, well, we've got you covered. We'll be speaking with Allison Moore, Winnipeg Art Gallery art educator, and she'll tell us about a cool outdoor event involving Inuit art, igloos, and two beautiful Siberian huskies. And we'll also learn how Manitoba ranks when it comes to charitable giving in Canada. Charles Lamham, Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute, joins us to talk about the Generosity Index, and we're going to learn about some of the trends he's seen in charitable giving across the country. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today. Hope your day is going swimmingly. I'm all by my lonesome. Normally I have the the great and talented Robert Zirk co-hosting with me, but uh, he's off this week, so uh, it's all me. Um, He was actually able to record a great interview with Charles Lamham. He was the director of fiscal studies at the Fraser Institute. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we're going to hear that a little bit later in the program. But up first today, uh, we're going to be focusing on families. That's one of the categories in Winnipeg's Vital Signs. A report put out by the Winnipeg Foundation in 2017 that sort of gauged the vitality of Winnipeg. Uh, So a couple of interviews are going to talk about some really cool events and cool things that you can see here in the city uh, that your family can all experience. Really family-friendly activities. Up first, uh, Guy Madden is a famous, acclaimed filmmaker, very well-known and talented filmmaker. Uh, He's known for uh, the film My Winnipeg and more recently The the Forbidden Room. But his newest uh, project, his non-film project, I guess, is actually one of the warming huts on the Red River Skating Trail at the Forks. Uh, It's due to be unveiled in the next few days, and he's going to be joining us via telephone in a few minutes uh, as our first guest on today's show. Can't wait to talk to him. It should be a really cool conversation. I'm looking forward to it. But before we get Mr. Madden on the phone... Let's play some music. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Red River Trail and about skating along it, so why not Johnny Burt Strings with Skater's Waltz right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined via telephone by Guy Matt, and he is a filmmaker, he is a screenwriter, and now he is a uh, designer of one of the warming huts at the Forks on the River. Guy, thank you for joining us today. So how did you get involved with this? This is kind of a bit of a departure for you. Uh, obviously, you're a, a very uh, well-known filmmaker from or from here in Winnipeg. Um, tell me how you got involved with the uh, the warming huts at the Forks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've been working the last three years as a film instructor at Harvard University and just got a really happy email in my inbox one day. Usually emails are requests for favors and horrible things, but... This one was a nice invitation from Peter Hargraves, um, you know, one of the one of the organizers of this amazing event, an architect at Sputnik, and um, and I guess CC'd was Paul Jordan, the CEO of the Forks, and um, just inviting me to design. I was instantly intimidated. I'm not a designer, and I'd noticed that previous um, designers included. Frank Geary and you know, a million other intimidating people who really knew what they were doing. Uh, so I wrote back with, um, you know, uh, a lot of gratitude and expressing how flattered I was, but expressing a lot of reservations. But um, they were very persuasive, and they, together we managed to massage some sort of design out of me. Hmm. And uh, I've ended up collaborating with Peter Hargraves, and I'll be collaborating um with this amazing um, uh, Luca um, Roncaroni, <laughs> a Norwegian. doesn't sound very Norwegian. He's originally from Italy, but he's been living in Norway forever. Um, ice sculptor. And um, cool. we're making something together, and it's going to be underneath that, um, that great bridge that um, extends from Main, Winnipeg to St. Boniface on Main Street. Oh, very and, uh, cool. Yeah, so, I'm really excited about it. So how? what's the difference between approaching a film or a, or a screenplay and approaching a warming hut in, in your design and your inspiration? Yeah, I guess with um, uh, the average narrative filmmaker, the difference between designing a warming hut and, and a script might be enormous, but my movies have always... Um, eh, I've always used my feelings... Right. And, and vaguely understood feelings at that as a starting point for a project anyway. And I've come to learn from hanging out with the architects that were on the jury and and the ones I've met since agreeing to do this, that um, that's often a starting point for them too, and that feelings matter and impressions that aren't um, always better for being articulated, you know. So... Um, so in my case, it was just a matter of rearranging some furniture in my head. Mildewy furniture, I might add. Um, things that have been sitting in place for a long time. And then, and then just coming up with, uh, with the help of my collaborators, with um, a way of doing something that means something. And then if it looks pretty and means something, secretly means something, then I guess it's satisfied the satisfied me nice so what is what is your aim like what is your hope to when someone stops on the river trail and sees your 
warming hut what is what is your aim to make them feel or think or do or experience yeah that changes every day because um for the last month i've been living in the neighborhood of the forks mm. and taking our dog lil for strolls almost every day on the river and just watching these little structures go up and i'm really smitten all for the first time all over again <laughs> with Winnipeg in the winter and how beautiful it is. I just love winter. I find myself screaming to the frosty stars every night, almost inwardly. And um, it's it's so pretty here. So I, I think I just want this thing, this structure to delight the eye and maybe uh, make... Uh, you know, inflame curiosity in the passers-by. And there are many passers-by, you know, mm-hmm. there's just the skating path is so long now. People are going by of all shapes and sizes at all hours of the day. I love going by our site at one in the morning. And there are people scratching their heads, trying to figure out, watching it go up, what's going on. And I guess it's there's just so many things to look at when you're in the vicinity of the forks, and then now that it extends out on the river paths um, into the far reaches of the city that no one really knows until recent years from the river. And um, I don't know, everything just looks different there. And so I just want to be part of that different way of looking at the city. You you talk about reigniting your uh, appreciation for Winnipeg. How how has that evolved over the years uh, since since I guess you started creating art? Yeah, um, I guess I was probably just like many people that have lived in one city um, their own their whole lives. Uh, uh, I'd gotten um, resentful of some of it. Uh, it started to feel pretty stale. And I was using that staleness, mythologizing the staleness and feeding into, you know, it's almost um, kind of an incestuous thought process or a mm-hmm. ca- self-cannibalizing one or something where I just thought about my own environment too much and was getting bored of it. And I made that the subject matter of my movies. But now it's becoming a little more wondrous and mm-hmm. um, and opened up a bit more. And it directly affects the stuff I'm trying to do on film, a uh, project I'm working on with my partners, Evan and Galen Johnson, reflects that. We're working on a, uh, a current picture set in Winnipeg in the winter, and um, it's, an, it's a new take. We are speaking with Guy Madden, acclaimed filmmaker and soon-to-be acclaimed warming hut designer. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about some of the things that he learned through the, the design of these warming huts and some of the challenges of that design right after this short musical break. Seeing as uh, Mr. Madden is a Winnipeg legend, why not another Winnipeg legend for you here? Here's Neil Young with Heart of Gold right here on River City 360.
was Neil Young with Heart of Gold. He is a Winnipeg icon, and we have with us on the phone a Winnipeg filmmaking icon. Guy Madden has joined us via telephone talking about his experience designing a warming hut for the Red River Skating Trail at the Forks. Is this something that you want to continue pursuing, designing, uh, I mean, structures as opposed to uh, films? Um, I think... Maybe it's possible. I have no training in it. Um, I grew up in a very exotic and strange and eccentric house uh, that was designed by my mother, who also also had no training, and, and she just sort of jotted things down on notepads all the time. It was basically a blueprint which uh, compri- uh, com- uh, comprised of uh, shopping lists, uh, things to do, chores the children should do, and... Um, and then maybe some organizational ideas for a closet, but some uh, contractor built it, and um, so um, a layperson can design a home. It was a great home, so maybe, but uh, it's, um, oh man, you know, I don't know how much um, it pays to be an amateur um, architect with no training. (laughs) Might have a little trouble. I I couldn't even, you know... um, get an interning position at an architecture firm but sure. luckily I've, uh, I've taken the shortcut as usual i've been mm-hmm. lucky in life I've taken a shortcut straight to the top of this um little arrangement and been able to put my name on a design it's certainly very prestigious i'm excited to see it when, what's the timeline looking like for when everything is up and going or i think i think friday uh january 26 is our big press day and then you know everything launches uh this weekend and um so everything will be up um thing all sorts of bustles going on now it's kind of crazy to watch and i just recommend anyone just getting out they should do it anyway it's nice out the forecast is wonderful it's perfect um just get out and look around it's really cool um, even it's just, just a matter of looking at different dog breeds, pulling people on skates around. Um, everything looks cool. And every now and then a train goes overhead. I don't know. I'm just used to hearing trains in the uh, background of Winnipeg, as if a sound effects department is producing them. But no, they really happen, and they, they go overhead and behind you and along the skyline. And I don't know. It's just you, you just see the city totally differently. Um, uh, yeah. From the frozen river, it's almost like looking through a peephole that you're not supposed to go near. It's a very unique experience. I think one that's uniquely Winnipeg and uniquely 
Red River and uniquely at the Forks. What's one thing, what's the, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go right away. What's one thing you learned throughout this process that you didn't expect to, uh, to encounter? Um, I, I, on a moment's notice, I can't, I, I know I've learned a lot, but mm-hmm. um, the thing that's excited me the most is that, um, is the way they're harvesting ice from the river. I remember looking at some old LB foot photos, you know, the guy who documented Winnipeg at the turn of the century a hundred years ago and um, just watching all these ice men uh, sawing with hand saws, sawing out big blocks of ice for ice houses. But now they've, um, the forks has got a 48 inch power saw run off some sort of snowmobile engine or something. And, and they're, uh, sawing gigantic blocks of ice out of the river in a special pattern so that the water can keep refreezing mm-hmm. and uh, pulling them out. And that's what uh, Luca will be uh, carving his ice sculptures out of. And and the ice looks really clear. And he speaks of the ice so mystically. You know, he wants to know what kind of ghosts or patterns or feelings are in that ice. He's a real ice whisperer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's um, it's just cool to look at this forgotten craft of ice harvesting forgotten around here anyway and um just watching this stuff rising out of the um, out of the river uh where they're harvesting it is very near um that main street bridge i mentioned where our structure's rising and um so um it'll be surrounded by a fence to keep kids out but um but I don't know, maybe you can peek through a, a crack <laughs> well, in the it boards sounds, or something. Yeah, it sounds very exciting. I mean, having the ice as part of the, almost like your your painter's palette that you're choosing from sounds very majestic. Yeah, and there's some really strange patterns in there because some ice forms at the bottom of the river, mm. picking up mud and then rises to the top. And so that mud is there all winter. Other ice forms from the top down and you get little bubbles trapped in there. You have, cool. you know. Very cool. Um, and some of it's so clear that you get a little bit of acrophobia just walking on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you f- uh, fear of heights kicks in. <laughs> and other stuff just looks so beautiful and strange and organic. Well, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for Winnipeg to see it. Uh, yeah, So yeah. that's happening January 26th is sort of the kickoff, the media day and everything. Uh, thank you very much for talking to us, Guy Madden. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks we, so much, Nolan. We, we appreciate your time and... Uh, Congratulations on this prestigious uh, honor, and I can't wait to see it. Okay, beautiful. Thanks. Thanks again to Mr. Guy Madden for speaking with us today. If you want to check out his design of his warming hut or any of the other beautiful creations along the Red River Trail, head on down to the Forks. You can go for a walk or go for a skate. It is absolutely beautiful this time of year. Uh, and as Mr. Madden mentioned, you can you can see Winnipeg from a completely different perspective down there. It's really quite stunning. I went uh, a couple days ago, and it's quite a delightful experience. Coming up after the break, we're going to be joined in studio by... River City 360's Sunny Primolo, and uh, the Winnipeg Art Gallery's Allison Moore. She is the art educator at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. We're going to be learning about the Arctic Chill Out event that's happening this weekend, so stay tuned for that. But first, we're going to play a little music for you. Here's Matt Dusk with The Best Is Yet To Come, right here on RC360.
Out of the tree of life I picked me a plum You came along And everything started to hum Still it's a real good bet The best is yet to come The best is yet to come Won't that be fine? You'd think you've seen the sun But you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet Best is yet to come. Won't that be just fine? Best is yet to come. Come the day you're mine. Come the day you're mine. I'm gonna teach you to fly. We've only tasted the wine. We're gonna drain that cup dry. Sunshine plays in the light. The best is yet to come. I won't that be so fine? The best is yet to come. Come the day you're mine. Come the day you're mine. Mm-hmm, mine. Thank you for listening to River City 360. We are now joined in studio by our very own Sonny Permalo and Allison Moore of the Winnipeg Art Gallery. Sonny? Today I'm here with Allison Moore, Winnipeg Art Gallery educator, to talk about a fun and educational event for the entire family that's happening this weekend. Welcome to River City 360, Allison. Oh, thanks. It's really nice to be here. The Winnipeg Art Gallery's Arctic Chill Out is just one of the amazing events happening at the WAG, and it's happening this Sunday. For those who aren't aware of the event, what is the Arctic Chill Out about? Well, this is the third year we've held the Arctic Chill Out, so I guess it all came about... um, Uh, Fred Ford is one of our board members, and uh, he has some Inuit heritage, so he uh, knows how to make igloos. So he's been making igloos on the rooftop for quite a number of years. So we thought we'd kind of create this event around that. And uh, so, yeah, this is the third year that we've done it. So the idea is to get people to the Winnipeg Art Gallery and get them up and outside on top of the roof. And uh, so we get to watch Fred make an igloo and learn all about that. Um, We also have uh, two lovely husky dogs, Scout and Shiloh. Yes, they're beautiful dogs and they'll be up on the roof and they let you hug them and everything. It's really (laughs) fun. And uh, we also have, um, I guess, 
people up there playing games, Inuit games with children. Uh, we have snow forts. And then if you come inside, you can have some bannock and hot chocolate or coffee wow. and tea. Yeah, so that's that was sort of, I guess, the impetus for the whole thing was to, to uh, play in the snow on the roof in the <laughs> winter. <laughs> that's super cool. I mean, it should be really fun for the kids, but let's be honest, we're all kids at heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, a great thing about the event is that it's not only fun, but you get to learn about Inuit art and culture as well. Uh, what kind of workshops, tours, and games will people get to experience? Um, well, I guess when you first come in, we're going to have... Uh, some people from the uh, from Fort White Nature Center. So they're going to be bringing some of their taxidermied animals. So we're going to learn about adaptations that animals make in the winter time. Um, they also have a number of Inuit games and activities that they're going to do with the children. So there'll be like a blanket toss and seal races and things like that. Um, we also, because the, the Winnipeg Art Gallery has like the largest collection of Inuit art anywhere, uh, we have a lot of that in the gallery to look at um, on Sunday. But we also have a chance to try your hand at making prints as well. So you'll oh, get cool. to, to make your own design and, and make a print to take home with you. So that's kind of an exciting activity. And then of course we want people to look at the artwork. So we've organized mm -hmm. a scavenger hunt that goes through the gallery. Okay. So yeah, so we have uh, two exhibitions that we're kind of highlighting uh, for this day. So the first one is Insurgents Resurgence, yes. and it's a really large contemporary exhibition of Indigenous art from all across Canada. And the other one is an exhibition of printmaking by uh, Pitalusi Sela, and she's a printmaker from Cape Dorset. So we'll be going through the galleries on our scavenger hunt and kids will be uh, finding clues and doing little activities that connect to the artwork in the galleries. What a cool way to get kids involved with art. That's really awesome. <laughs> this is also great, especially with the new Inuit Museum in the works. It really gives us a little bit of a taste of the great things that you'll get to experience. A cool part of this whole thing is that it will be fun on the rooftop. So to all our listeners, make sure your children are well prepared for some outdoor activities. So what can everyone expect out on the roof? Uh, well, yeah, on the roof, we're going to be, um, we're cr crossing our fingers right now for snow because there's not a lot of it right now. Mm. The weather's looking good. So if we get a little bit of snow, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, a fort building. I know last year we have um, like kids shovels and things like that. So we had kids building snow sculptures um, and we'll have some more games up on the rooftop. Uh, of course, the igloos will be up there and the dogs. And uh, so it should be a good time. We've also got some bubbles. So I thought we might experiment with some outdoor bubble making. <laughs> <laughs> Very neat. Yeah, it shouldn't be too bad from what I saw. I believe it was around minus 14 that day. So not too yeah. bad. Yeah, I yeah. think it'll be good. Yeah. Um, so, again, the, uh, the Huskies' names, uh, they were Siberian Huskies, uh, Shiloh and... And Scout. And Scout, and they'll yeah. definitely be making an appearance this year again. Yes. Um, so, to everyone wanting to do something fun with their kids or grandchildren this weekend, I urge you to check out the Winnipeg Art Gallery's Arctic Chill Out. This is a one-day event happening from 1.30 to 4 p.m. Tickets are $20 per family, which covers two adults and four kids under the age of 18, or $10 for WAG members. As a bonus, uh, admission includes access to the galleries as well. And uh, where can people get the tickets, Allison? Uh, they would just show up at the gallery. It starts at 1.30 and runs till 4 o'clock. So you might want to get there a few minutes early. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate quite a few people coming. We had a, a big crowd last year. Awesome. So, yeah. And typically, how many people come to uh, check out the chill out? Uh, last year, we had over 600 guests, so oh, wow. it was, yeah, it was so, pretty yeah, big. Definitely yeah. get your tickets early then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
uh, if I'm correct, the admission covers entrance to see all the other exhibits. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah. You can see everything in the gallery with that. Awesome. $20. And what kind of other exhibits are available? Like I know you mentioned Insurgents, Resurgence. What other uh, uh, galleries are there happening right now at the way? Um, we also have... Uh, I guess our permanent collection. So we have four galleries full of permanent work that's really interesting to see. And Insurgence Resurgence takes over most of the gallery mm. space. <laughs> yeah, and Tiva Harrison is also on the mezzanine level. So she's uh, an artist, I guess like a graphic novel artist, and um, she's got some really beautiful pieces in there as well that you can have a look at. Awesome. Uh, so before I let you go, is there anything you would like to add about the art to chill out? Um, I guess the one thing we do have uh, some, I guess, different Inuit artifacts and clothing and things that kids will be able to touch as well yeah. on the gallery level. So that's that's another fun piece as well. Yeah. And that's yeah, we hope lots of people come out. It'll be really fun. It's always fun. That's really awesome, Allison. So again, I'd like to thank Allison Moore for uh, coming down today to speak with us at River City 360. And Allison, thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Sunny. Up next, although my co-host, my uh, partner in crime, Robert Zerk, is away this week, he was able to record a very interesting conversation before he left. Uh, he spoke with Charles Lemon, Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute. They had a cool chat about the recent Generosity Index, which uh, tells us about Canadians and just how generous we are. Uh, so how did Manitoba stack up when it co- uh, compares to the rest of Canada? We will find out after this next musical break. We've got Elvis Presley, If I Can Dream, right here on RC360. There must be light burning brighter somewhere got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue if I can dream of a better land where all my brothers walk Trapped in a world that's 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Charles Lamam. He is the Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute, joining me via telephone from Vancouver. Charles, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. It's my pleasure to be with you. Every year for almost two decades, the Fraser Institute has published the Generosity Index, which looks at charitable giving in Canada and the United States. Stats like what percentage of Canadians are making charitable gifts, and what percentage of income they're giving. Can you tell us why it's important to keep track of these trends? Well, as you mentioned, we've been doing this for nearly two decades now. We think it's important. Uh, it's an important public policy issue because private charities provide many important services to vulnerable Canadians. So it's important to get a sense of what, what is the extent of that uh, contribution? What are the trends? How, how do we compare as a nation here in Canada relative to the United States? So these are all questions that motivated the initial research program. And it's obviously drawn a lot of attention and people continue to be interested in it to this day. And so we continue to publish updates to, to, the, to various trends to, to get a better sense of what's happening with private charitable giving in the country. What have you been seeing over the past decade in Canada? There's a lot of interesting takeaways from the data analysis we do. For this particular year, one of the things that I think would surprise many Canadians to know is that the level of private monetary generosity uh, in Canada is on the wane. Uh, we've seen a general trend of decline over the last 10 years of data, both in terms of the amount that Canadians donate out of their income, as well as the number of Canadians who uh, claim charitable donations on their tax returns. Uh, on these two key measures, we're seeing a general downward trend. I think that's a worrying trend for the charities here in Canada, particularly because it signifies that they are not able to secure this, the resources to do the important work that we all value. Manitoba has been leading the way when it comes to generosity in Canada for over a decade. But when you compare our province with any state in the United States, we rank much lower overall. Why is that? Has it always been that way? It's been that way for quite some time, for sure. So what we do in our report is compare how the provinces do on private uh, charitable giving relative to the American state. And there's a fairly consistent trend that we've observed in that our provinces are much less generous relative to the American to their American counterparts. That's a trend that we've seen persist for for as long as we've done the analysis. And it does really cut against the the preconceived notion that we have as Canadians of, of being very generous people. Uh, in fact, you know when you do the analysis, the the analysis that consolidates various measures of charitable giving in the two countries, and we create an index, as you mentioned, Manitoba comes out on top of all the provinces, but Manitoba ranks in the bottom half when stacked up against all the U.S. states. So we have Manitoba ranking 37 overall out of 64 North American jurisdictions. Manitoba is our highest ranked province in Canada, but again, still in the bottom half when looked uh, looked uh, or compared against the, the U.S. states. All across Canada, we're seeing that people are giving less of their income and that there are less people who are giving. Can you speak to those trends? Sure. So just 10 years ago, we had about one of every four tax filers in Canada donating to charity. And it's fallen in, in a subsequent decade to about one of every five. 
So currently, just under 21% of all tax filers are claiming a charitable donation, which is a, a very significant decline when you look at uh, the historical trends. Uh, also, when we when we consider the share of income being donated, that's also on the on the decline as well. Ten years ago, uh, the level of uh, income donated or share of income donated was just about 0.78 percent, and that's falling down to 0.56 percent. Now, these these are these numbers may seem like they're very small changes, but they actually add up to a lot of uh, real money. Uh, put it to you this way: if if Canadians claimed donations at the same rate that we did 10 years ago today, our charities would have an extra nearly $4 billion more dollars. So making that a, a potential total of $13 billion. So a considerable amount of money is being really left on the table when we look at our current uh, rate of giving compared to the rate of giving in Canada just 10 years ago. I mean, almost $4 billion now is the, the, the monetary shortfall. Uh, over the course of that decade. When you think of the resources that are, and what this could have actually provided to vulnerable Canadians in need, we're talking about vital services such as counseling, crisis prevention, offering basic necessities and education. All these things are, are, are part of the suite of services offered by charities. And, and so you think of the extra $4 billion or the, the lost $4 billion or so I mean, this is a significant amount. It could be doing a lot of good uh, for many vulnerable communities across the country. The Generosity Index report refers to this idea of the generosity gap, where there's less money going to charities to help people in need. What did these trends say about our society? Do you have any insight into why these declines are happening? You know, this is, a, this is the million-dollar question, and it's not clear why we're seeing the decline you know, expectations would lead you to think that maybe it was the recession that happened back in 2008, 2009, and that would have that would have sparked this decline. People just during in times of, of economic shocks are unable to find the resources to, to continue uh, their charitable giving patterns. But the decline predates the recession, so this has been a longer-term issue, and there really isn't a strong answer. What I can tell you, though, is that it's not just the monetary donations that have fallen over the course of the past decade. We're also seeing rates of volunteerism, so non-monetary giving, fall as well. And Statistics Canada, in particular, does a survey, and they're finding that the percentage of the population of volunteers has fallen over about a 10-year period. So this is really cutting across different types of giving. The the question as to why we see this decline is is, is a really great one. It's unfortunately not one that I have the answer to. And it's not even a matter of people having less disposable income and shifting their resources into volunteering because even that's declining. You know, part of it, part of it, frankly, you know, there is research that's looked into various components or factors that can influence whether a jurisdiction will donate to private charity. One of the things that gets examined often is demographics. And the fact that we have an aging population, so more and more Canadians entering that that phase of their life, retirement, I think that could be influencing the the giving patterns, but it is a very complicated set of factors that influence charitable giving. 
this decline that we're seeing is, is really a new trend, and it's one that hasn't really been examined by any serious research yet. We can only speculate based on these other factors that, that have been demonstrated to affect giving. Is there any data on who specifically is giving and how they're giving in terms of different populations in Canada? Right. So there's a few few known factors that will influence monetary giving. One, of course, is income. Higher incomes are associated with higher levels of donations, for sure. And in particular, disposable income. So this is income that people have after taxes. Another key uh, driver is, is religion. Religion has plays a major role in, in charitable giving patterns. When looking at the top type of organization that, that receives charitable giving, religious organizations top the list. They're by far the most important in terms of their distribution uh, of charitable giving. About 40% of all giving goes to religious organizations. Health and social uh, organizations are at about 12% each. So by far, uh, religious organizations play a, a key role. And when you have populations people that are more predisposed to religion, you end up having a greater level of charitable giving. I mean, Utah is a great example where highly religious population in that state, and it continuously tops the list in our ranking. By far, Utah is the most giving, and part of that has to do with, you know, tithes that religion requires people to give a certain percentage of their income. And so there's certainly a, a religious component to all this that's driving the results. You know, that's the pattern in, in, in all of Canada, really, uh, compared to the U.S. So the U.S., on average, as a country, donates about three times more of their income relative to, to us here in Canada. So we're talking about a pretty big difference in terms of private monetary giving between the two countries, which, again, is not what you would expect. I mean, I think the expectation is that Canadians are generous people, certainly more generous than, than the Americans, but it's not really clear that that's actually the case when you look at the best comparable data available, which is how much people claim they give on their tax returns to, uh, to register charities. What's the methodology behind the generosity index? How is the information gathered and tracked? Well, you know, I said we use the best, most comparable data available. And that really is data that's available on people's tax returns. So we, we look in Canada, we look at the Canadian uh, Canada Revenue Agency to get the data that we need to do the analysis. We also look at the the IRS uh, in the U.S., the Internal Revenue Department uh, there to get uh, access to charitable contributions being claimed on tax returns. And this is really uh, the best data because it is what people actually give, which is very different than using survey data. Survey results are what people claim they give, and there's, there's research that suggests that on surveys, people tend to, uh, in the case of charitable giving, overstate how much they actually give. So we're looking at actual giving on tax returns, and we're doing uh, a comparison between countries, so we're, we think it's the best and, and you know most comparable data that we can get. You know, the, you know People often tell me, well, you don't capture the, the, the cash donations in the kettles at Christmas time. No, we don't. And we don't capture donations that people make in kind. And we don't capture volunteerism in our, in our comparisons because those data are not available in a comparable way between the two jurisdictions, Canada and the U.S. So we are relying on data that we feel is the best because it allows us to do this comparison between the two countries. 
what needs to happen for this trend to reverse? What is it that motivates people to give? Or is it that people are giving in different ways, like at the checkout counter? Certainly, the ways we give have changed and evolved over time. But that's also been the case in the U.S. So that's not really going to explain why we're providing fewer or less donations uh, to charities than the Americans. Those innovations, you know, the UFundMe programs, for example, or websites, those are, those are innovative ways of how people are now giving. But certainly those, those developments are in the U.S. as well. So that can't really explain why we see the gap between Canada and the U.S. It could help explain why we see the decline, but certainly not the gap. But, but definitely there have been innovations in how people are giving, and, and certainly that could be influencing some of the trends that we're seeing within Canada. Charles, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about the Generosity Index today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. We're going to play some more music before we say goodbye today. So here's Sandpipers with Come Saturday Morning right here on RC360. Saturday morning, I'm going away with my friend. We'll Saturday spend till the end of the day. Just I and my friend, we'll travel for miles in our Saturday smile. Then we'll move on But we will remember Long after Saturday's gone Come Saturday morning Come Saturday morning Come Saturday morning I'm going away with my friends Saturday laugh more than half of the day Just I and my friends Dressed up in our rings and our Saturday
That was Sandpipers with Come Saturday Morning. You are listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today. Uh, We've got time for one more song before our hour is up for the day. So since today's show is all about Winnipeg, we're going to have another Winnipeg icon, or an iconic band at least. Here's the Guess Who with Laughing right here on RC360. I should laugh, but I cry Because your love has passed me by You took me by surprise You didn't realize that I was waiting Time goes slowly, but carries on And now the best I've come and gone You took me by surprise I didn't realize That you were laughing Laughing What you doing to me Laughing It ain't the way it should be You took away everything I had You put the hurt on me Laughing What you doing to me Laughing It ain't the way it should be You took away everything I had You put the hurt on me Go alone now, calling your name After losing at the game You took me by surprise I didn't realize that you were laughing Time goes slowly, but carries on And now the best year The best years have come and gone You took me by surprise I didn't realize That you were laughing Laughing What you did to me Laughing The way it should be You took away everything I had You put the hurt on me Laughing What you did to me Laughing What you did to me Took away everything I had to put the hurt on me. Sweet refrain The winds around Don't make a sound Like softly falling rain Just two of us together We'll plan a honeymoon Cruising down the river On a sun 
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you so much to all of our guests for joining us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, uh, listen to any of our podcasts, or just learn about today's show, you can go to rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. We'd love to hear from you as well, so give us a call. Our listener line is always open. You can call 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a uh, tip for a, a story you'd like to hear covered on the show, a song request, or if you just want to say hi, give us a call. That number again, 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at River City 360 on Twitter and River City 360 on Facebook as well. For Robert Zirk, I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a great day and a great weekend. Bye-bye.